Well, good evening, church. It is great to be back here with you tonight and celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, so that starts next week, rules of engagement. I kind of like that because it sounds like a battle, right? There's always a battle. And so what we're going to be doing this next series, Rules of Engagement, is walking through how to deal with conflict. So this is not the time to be bumping your spouse who is sitting right next to you, just so you know. Um, but you should join us next week as we kick that series off. We'd love to have you with us. If you're a, a guest with us, if you're new with us here at Bridgewater, we want to thank you for coming and hanging out with us. Welcome to Bridgewater. We hope that you enjoy your time with us. My name is Rich. I have the privilege of serving as a pastor in Tonkanic with some pretty amazing people. I hope that you enjoy your time with us. We find that you find it profitable for your life. Gang, as we get going into uh, tonight's conversation, I want you to think through something with me. I want you to think through, and I'm going to make you do some work tonight, but I want you to think back in a time, back to a time that you wish you could, you could take something back, that you wish you could take something back. There was a time in your life where you, could, you wish you, I could go back and, and redo that moment. There was a time in your life where you could go back and say, I wish I didn't say that to them. A time in your life where you can go back and redo in a heartbeat, what would it be? Think through that with me. A time in your life that you wish you could redo it. Like, oh, I wish that never existed in my life. Maybe it was a time when your temper flared. And you got so angry and you just started shouting things at someone you absolutely care about. You're like, I mean, I wish I could redo that. Maybe the words that come out of your lips, across your lips, were not edifying, but they actually were meant to really hurt someone. Maybe it was a season in life where you made a, a, a series, a string of decisions that led you to a place you never wanted to be. Maybe it was a moment. Right now you're thinking of that one moment. If I could go back and just erase that from my history, that'd be amazing. So what would it be? What is that moment? What is that decision? What is that moment in time? You know, for me, when I think through that, and I actually stop and think through this, and which those moments I wish I could redo in life, which there are several. And as I actually think through them, not just like, oh, yeah, that's one. But to truly think about them, it brings emotions and feelings up, up inside of me that really hurts my heart. I think about when I, when I was 17. I was 17, and, then, and I was a young guy, and, and I got into an argument and a fight with my dad. I got in a fight with my father, and as, and as I sit here and think through the details, in fact, when I was putting this conversation together, I started typing out the details moment by moment, second by second, what took place that evening, and at the end of it, I was weeping and crying, and I felt absolutely horrible inside. See, my, my dad was just trying to love me, and all I did was turn my back on him, and I hurt him. But as I hurt him, I absolutely crushed me. And I think back, I'm like, come on, I was just a punk. 
My dad passed away 16 years ago. And if I could stop and ask God for one more miracle in my life, I would say, can we go back? Jesus, can I, can I go back and just relive that night completely different? So what's yours? What is that one moment you wish that you can just go back and take it out? That it didn't exist in the history of your life? What is that one moment in your life that you wish you'd go back and redo it and have a different outcome? See, now what I want you to do is I want you to hold that for a second. I want you to hold that in your mind and I want you to bring up those feelings. I'm sorry I'm doing this to you tonight, but I want you to hold that because I believe when we hold on to those, those emotions, we walk through those moments, we're experiencing something very similar to what Jesus' disciples experienced in their own life. On the night that he was betrayed and arrested and eventually crucified, they turned their back on their Savior. And they fled to, to save their own lives. And I'm sure that was a moment in their life they wish they could actually go back and do something different. But it gets much deeper. See, a very powerful week had just transpired in, in Jerusalem. Jesus, the Messiah, was entering Jerusalem, and people were pumped. They were excited that their Messiah was there, and they were cheering and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blesses the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were throwing down their cloaks and palm branches, and, and this was absolutely amazing. And the disciples were thinking, like, okay, this is it. Everything that we've been leading to for the past three years, you know, is going to come to fruition. Jesus told us. And he's finally, he's going to declare and people are going to see that he is God. And, and everything's going to change. He's going to put something new and amazing in place. And that's exactly what happened. But just not how they expected See, the night before Jesus was betrayed, he was sitting in his upper room with his disciples, the people who he was closest with, did life with, three years running, traveling, eating, hanging out, sleeping next to, all this kind of stuff. I mean, they were that close. And he washes their feet, showing his humility and him serving his people. And then he institutes a situation. They're celebrating a moment, moment of remembrance of what he was going to do for them and for all mankind. We had the church we call a communion. We celebrate that last Sunday. But just hours after the upper room, Jesus was arrested and taken to a fake trial. And as far as we know, all of them scattered except for two. It was Peter and an unknown, unnamed disciple who followed Jesus to the high priest. See, when they arrested Jesus, they took him to the high priest Caiaphas's courtyard to bring him in front of this, this fake trial, this monkey trial, and they were throwing things at him. Like false witnesses bringing people up and throwing things at him, saying, hey, you are not the Messiah. And they were mocking him. And it says that Peter 
was following. And he was able to go in. And he was warming himself next to the fire while his Lord and Savior was being mocked. And in fact, it says that while he was standing there, someone saw him. And they said, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? And Peter goes, no, I am not. I am not one of his disciples. And meanwhile, they're still persecuting him. And his Lord in, in the back, and they're looking at him, and he sees him from a distance. And someone else sees Peter. He said, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? He's like, no. No, I am not. And Jesus is still on trial. Witness after witness bringing false testimony so they could kill him. And then Caiaphas says, hey, hey, listen, listen. You need to tell us that you are the Lord. You're the Messiah. And he goes, well, if you think I am, that's what you say. And then he ripped his cloaks and he said, blasphemy. And they started punching Jesus in the face. And spitting on him. And say, come on, tell us, Jesus, who was it that hit you? And then at that moment, a third time, someone who saw Peter in the garden, who saw Peter slice off the soldier's ear, said, hey, 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 didn't we see you in the garden? And Peter watching this taking place, Jesus getting punched and spit and being mocked, absolutely afraid at absolute distance to keep himself away from him. He says, he says, it says he called down curses and shouted, I don't know the man. And then the scripture says, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Now at that moment, Peter remembered what happened the night before. And when he's in the, when he's in the room with his Lord, that he said, Jesus, I will die for you. And Jesus said to him, no, 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 no. When it comes to it, you're going to turn your back on me. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what, what Peter was feeling at that moment, what he was thinking when, when he denied him and, and he turns around and see his Lord looking at him with such disappointment. What a failure you are. And it says that Jesus was beating him more. A crown of thorns were jammed on his head. He was nailed to the cross. And then he was put in a cold, dark tomb. And the scripture says, there's this big rock that was rolled in front of this tomb. And I can't imagine people standing back looking and seeing their Lord laying there all wrapped up. And I can't think about the sound of rock rolling. That's rock must have been deafening on the ears of the followers thinking, oh my gosh, our Savior has been slain. The hope that we were holding to is gone. It's all over. Jesus is dead and Satan has won. What they didn't realize is Jesus specializes in hopeless situations. I've searched the world 
From the beginning of time, God has been the giver of life. God framed the beauty of this love in a garden where every good thing was true and every true thing was good. But with one bite, sin entered the world. Like a virus, it infected everyone. Sin separated us from God and from each other. One bite brought distance, destruction, darkness, and death. The curse of sin consumed us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son to reverse the curse by hanging on a cross. A crown of sin and death was placed on the king of life. He died and was buried, and for three days it seemed that death might have won. But on the third day, Jesus robbed the grave and rose from the dead. There is no distance that can hold back the power of God, no virus that can threaten the life that he brings. And so we say, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Sin does not have the final word. Jesus is the grave robber, the life giver, the curse reverser. He is risen and everything sad is coming untrue. things we wish we could change, God is still working. God is still working through every single circumstance. We invite you guys to sing, to stand and sing with us that truth. I'm not afraid to show you my weakness. The failures and flaws, Lord, you see them all. Can you still call me
That's what I'm talking about, right? That's why we're here. Go ahead and grab a seat. That's why we're here. That's why we're celebrating. Because that's what Jesus does, and that's what we're here pointing to the truth. The truth of what Christ has done. See, a few days after Jesus was put in the tomb, Mary Magdalene and few others went to the tomb and to prove that it was, that he was, see if he was there, and he wasn't there. It was an empty tomb. The stone was gone, and Jesus was gone. And they went back, and, and they told all these disciples, saying, hey, wait a minute. He's not there anymore. So all the disciples, and they ran in, and they looked like, oh, my word, he's gone. What's going on? Wait, maybe they should just think that he's pull off what he said he's going to do. And so they went back. And they went back to their house. And then Jesus started appearing to all these people. He showed himself to Mary Magdalene and to see as she was in there in her tears, wondering what happened to her Jesus. And then he appeared to his disciples behind locked doors. And then he appeared to Thomas, who doubted that Jesus could actually pull off what he said he was going to do. And the scripture says he appeared to 500 people all at the same time. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Our Lord Jesus Christ is alive. Are you with me on that? <laughs> that didn't sound like you're with me at all. Are you with me on that? Yes. Well, good. Because fast forward a few days, fast forward a few days later, and Jesus shows up again. But this time, it's at a beach. He's at the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples were hanging out together, wondering what was going to take place. They hadn't seen Jesus in a little while. And they're just in their up in their rooms, figuring out, okay, what's taking place? What's coming next? Jesus said some stuff. And look what it says in John chapter 21, verse 3. It says, Peter, the same Peter who denied Jesus, said, listen, guys, I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go fishing. And the other guys were like, well, hey, why don't we go with you? And so they got in their boat, but that night they caught nothing. See, that's what we do when we, we feel as we fail and our hope is gone because of the decisions we've made in the past. We still carry this burden inside like nothing's going to change. And so we go back to what we were doing before. Because these guys were fishermen, and they didn't know what was taking place with Jesus. So like, okay, well, you know what? I'm just going to go back to being fishermen. We do the same thing. We do it all the time when we feel like we have failed. And our, our failures are so bad. We're like, okay, no one's ever going to love me. No one's ever going to want me. So I'm just going to go back and do what I've always done. Friends, I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. People that I have prayed with prayed in this church and said, I have given my life to Jesus Christ. And what they're expecting is all their problems to go away. Like, bing, everything's unicorns and rainbows. And so when things weren't changing, but they, they were like, okay, I'm going to go back to what I was doing. Because obviously Jesus didn't do anything for me. So I'm going to go back to what I was doing, living the life that I lived before because my failures were, must have been too big for Jesus to overcome them. And what they didn't know is inside, as a follower of Jesus, they had what they needed. They just didn't listen. Even when they were told that something amazing 
had just taken place in their life. Even when the disciples are told something amazing was coming, they thought their past failures was too big. So they went back to their old life. Now, this is a pivotal point in the story. If this was a movie, this is when the music would change and get a little intense. Why? Because the, the closing, it's closing it on its purpose. Look at verse 4 and 21. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. He called to them, friends, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. Well, Jesus says, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to pull in a net because of the large number of fish that they caught. Friends, a life without Jesus is an empty net. A life with Jesus is full, full of his goodness and love and provision for life. Going on, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, I love, this is John. John's writing this. He's pointing to himself. A little bit arrogant if you ask me, the disciple that Jesus loved, right? I wish I could, you know, never mind. Peter, he said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Peter heard that it was him saying it was the Lord, Peter grabbed his cloak, wrapped around him, and he jumped in the water and started flying in to catch up with Jesus. And it says the rest of them were calling behind and their net was full of fish and they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw the fire burning coals and fish on it with some bread. Now, with my culinary background, I like to think that maybe it was herb-crusted salmon on cedar planks with some artesian bread, you know? I'm thinking, it's got to be something gourmet. It's Jesus. Well, maybe not. Then Jesus said to them simply, he looked and said, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. Friends, this is an amazing moment. See, Jesus picked up right where he left off. Just a few nights ago, he was feeding, he was washing their feet, right? And serving them. And now he's sitting there serving them again with food. The ones who ran the ones who doubted, the one who denied him. He had every right to feel like, okay, I chose the wrong people. <laughs> I chose the wrong guys. I spent three years investing to these guys who just are just not cut out for the job. It's like he was wondering, if, he was, if I was Jesus, this is what I would do. I would give a report to, hey, God, yeah, yeah, humanity, they're not worth it. I mean, I invested everything. I mean, literally my everything. And they still did what they wanted to do. They're not worth the investment. But that's not who Jesus is. It's not what Jesus does. In fact, he brought them in to serve them regardless of their past. But then he takes it one step further. Look at verse 15 where he says, and then, he, and then when he had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my lambs. 
Verse 16 says, then Jesus said again to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, then take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Oh, and this time Peter was hurt. He was hurt that Jesus was asking him a third time, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. Friends, he pulled Peter aside in front of the rest of the disciples and asked him three times, do you love me? And I possibly believe there was one for each denial. And Peter, in this moment, he said he was hurt, had to be frustrating thing. Come on, Jesus, you know all things. You know all things. You know I love you. I just failed you in that moment. Man, I wish I could take it back. And I think we've all been there. I think we've all been there. We've done something we wish we could have erased from our past. We've made decisions in life that hurt others, that are sitting in places inside of us, and we're still carrying feelings of emotions, of regret and sadness, and maybe even despair. Peter, in a moment of exasperation, says, Jesus, you know everything. You know, I love you. I just failed you. See, at that moment, Jesus did something absolutely amazing. He was reinstating Peter, even though he denied him, even though he rejected him, even though he walked, he walked through this. He was reinstating Peter. Even a moment of weakness led to a time of failure. Everything that he thought was probably changed for good, that his past disqualified his future. That the grave that he dug for himself, Peter dug for himself, to bury his future, Jesus simply turned around and made it into a garden of life. And when Jesus came to Peter and put him back in place, reminding him, Peter, that his past failures did not determine what God had planned for his future. Peter, Peter, I rose from the dead, right? I, you, I told you I was going to do this. I was going to live, die, and conquer the grave. And if I can defeat death, I can defeat your disobedience. And if I can defeat death, I can defeat, defeat your failures and your past. Peter, I love you, and I'm going to build my church on you, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I'm going to use you in incredible ways. I'm going to change your life forever. It's not over. It's just beginning. And then Jesus says two amazing words that changes everything. Follow me. Follow me. See, that is the risen king that we celebrate tonight. That is a God whose God is full of mercy and grace and forgiveness. He's a God who does the unexpected in your life, who feeds you in, your, in the day in and day out. He's the one who wants a personal relationship with you. And he's a God who will not let your past be a death sentence on your future. He's a God who will not let your past be a death sentence on your future. And right now, right now, many of us are thinking in this room, Rich, you don't know. You don't know what I have done. 
You have no idea what's sitting in the closet that I wish that no one would ever find out. That moment that you're talking about at the beginning, yeah, I'm never going to share that with anyone. You have no idea of the darkness that I carry inside of the decisions that I've made in my past and the burden that's been in my life for many, many years and has defined how I make decisions and where I am today. Friends, I just want to tell you right now in front of everybody in this room that right now that you need to understand that God is more interested in your future than your failings. Did you catch that? He is more interested in your, in your future than anything that you have ever failed him in the past. What kind of God builds a future on a man that betrayed him in the past? Jesus. Jesus. That is the message of Easter. Jesus conquered the grave. So no matter what is in our past, we can have hope by surrendering and giving him our life. And he counts none of that against us. And he simply says to every single one of us in this room, Follow me. See, God's a God of second chances, third, fourth, and fifth chances. And if you're sitting here this morning, if you have, tonight you have a relationship with him, but somehow it's been cracked. You've kind of lived life in your own way and doing some things in a way you know that you shouldn't, but just kind of went that way anyways. You went back to your old habits before you had a relationship with Jesus. Let me just tell you, he's right here right now saying you can restore that relationship. I never left you, you left me. And if you're in this room and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've always put your hand up. You've always pushed him out, re rejected him in a way that he wants to love you. Well, he says you can do the same thing tonight. You can come before him, surrender your life, and he'll change everything. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in, believes in me will live. See, friends, I believe what Jesus did on that first Easter with his disciples, he wants to do for every single one of us in this room. He wants to show up when you think that he is gone. He wants to call you to himself when you believe that he will disown you because of your past. He wants to push through the locked lock door of your heart and, and give you what you believe is a buried grave and turn it to a flourishing garden of life. He desires to replace your fear with faith, and faith, anxiety with peace, anger with joy, and give you a clear purpose in life. All you have to do is join him at the beach for breakfast. Let him call you in. Let him serve you because he died for you. And he defeated the grave so you can have life and be with him for all eternity. Don't let 
your past determine your future. Because Jesus' resurrection, the weekend we're celebrating this weekend, crushes that notion. I say it all the time. Jesus changes everything. He is the game changer in life. And he wants to change yours. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you have that relationship with Jesus and it's been cracked. I don't know if you've never said yes to Jesus. But today, friends, is a day that you can start new. You can give him your everything because he gave his everything for you. And if you want to talk about accepting Christ, and trust me, you don't have to know everything in the Bible. I don't know everything in the Bible. You just need to know who Jesus is and that he died for your sins and he conquered the grave and you make him the Lord of your life and watch everything in your life start to change as you follow him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come and worship you. God, we praise you for this op- for what you have done. We praise you because your son and in faith in him, we can be set free. That as I read the scriptures and I try to understand how much you love us, it doesn't, our past doesn't determine what happens in our future. You do. And with a life with you, a life surrendered to you, everything changes. Today we celebrate the risen king. We celebrate that our Lord is alive. We celebrate that you pulled off the impossible. But you were God. And I think of anybody in this room, Lord, who has a doubt in their mind. I pray right now you make it assurance. If they've walked away and lived their own life, Lord, call them back. If they've rejected you, Lord, break their hands down so you can jump and destroy their past and give them a beautiful new. God, we worship you. We praise you. In your son's name, amen.